0: Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast.
1: Visit guyswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that.
2: Welcome to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. I'm Joe. I'm 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 I'm, I'm Josh. This is the show where you get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today? And today, honored to have the franchise owner and of my favorite pizza place in Cary, Your Pie. Your Pie. Which is over by the high school and working on opening up a second location, Ephraim Yates. Thank you for being on the show.
0: Ephraim.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm I'm honored to be here. Thanks for letting me crash the party. Well, we, yeah. don't, we don't often
2: get to speak to franchise owners because nope. they just... They usually can't. They can't hey, come we're, on. We're busy, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're too
1: busy drowning in work. Oh my <laughs> gosh.
2: So tell us a little bit about Your Pie and how you got started there.
1: Awesome. A lot of people actually don't know this, but Your Pie is the originator of the fast, casual, kind of customizable pizza concept. So the founder, Drew French, founded the first Your Pie in Athens, Georgia. He's a UGA graduate and he kind of went through. I guess you could call it something similar to like a Y Combinator or something for like people interested in starting food industry businesses. And he went through that and he he was inspired to start your pie after a honeymoon in Ischia. So his wife's family is from Ischia in Italy, and he kind of got inspired by just the family atmosphere and kind of how in Italy Dinner was always a thing where the family sat around the table and of course they had this just amazing food. And so when he came back, he was really inspired to start your pie and sort of bring that to the States. Right. And so that's sort of how your pie came to be. And that's. And so the rest is sort of history, as they say. So that was in 2008 when the first one. Oh, opened. so it's not that old.
2: Yeah. And they to, popped up all over the place. Now absolutely. How far is the franchise? Is it just the Southern thing? How far out in the, you know, so we're it? as
1: far West as California, probably as far North off the top of my head, definitely Virginia, maybe even a little further North. And, and you guys
2: and, are the first kind of place where you would choose your toppings.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, obviously, we have that concept has sort of been duplicated in many different forms, whose competitors who shall go unmentioned. But, (laughs) but uh, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, that. That has sort of been our thing. And now we're growing. Obviously, your pie is really concentrated in the Northeast and the Atlanta market. And that's just because of proximity to the original location. But we're doing our part to bring it to North Carolina. And there's some other franchisees in the area. And we're having fun.
2: I always feel a little bad, but then I get over it quickly when I go in because they're like, what would you like on your pizza today? And I kind of just want to say everything, but I just (laughs) (laughs) because everything's good. And it kind of makes this, I don't know, when you make like a Supreme pizza with absolutely everything from your pie, it's so good. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. I think that's the cool part about it is you don't ever have to get the same thing if you don't want to. Right. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, I find that people, once they become regulars, they sort of settle into like their thing. Right. You are like, there are customers I know every time you come, I don't even have to ask you what you want, but like, I think it's fun to sort of try things. And it's such. It's like no risk, right? Yeah. You can kind of, if you try it this time, it's like, yeah, that really wasn't for me. Or I just discovered a new favorite. Yeah. You know? I was so. at that
2: moment where they're like, what kind of meat would you like? And I'm like, all the meats. Yeah, like <laughs> We there definitely have the
1: people who are like, no veggies, every meat. And I was surprised
2: last <laughs> time I went, they added bruschetta. That's oh. not what it's called. What's the What's it called? The fancy cured... What's that called? Oh, the the prosciutto.
1: Prosciutto. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that's our summer craft
1: series. So we only do it once a year. And it's an award-winning pizza that we just created in-house. Drew really likes to just come up with really cool kind of out there recipes. It's amazing. It's a mix of like prosciutto, ricotta cheese, peaches, has a nice balsamic glaze on it and it's one of those things that when I first saw it I was like would I ever eat peaches on a pizza <laughs> but then when you try it you're like this is kind of interesting and amazing now, you're, now <laughs> so, you're in the back
0: talking to it right yeah <laughs> hello again you yeah, yeah yeah so
1: so yeah that's cool so that so now every summer customers as soon as we drop the email or let them know they're wow. like I gotta come get that pizza you know so it's kind of cool to do it in that way
2: so yeah. is your pie your first franchise
1: yes absolutely so actually I was interested. I've been interested in franchising for gosh, probably eight or 10 years, Mm -hmm. even when I was just still in the corporate workforce. Something about franchising just always appealed to me. And I think what do you think it was?
2: Is the fact that the systems were already done, or
1: that's a little bit of it, right? I think as you guys well know, every business just has a certain amount of inherent risk to it. There's right. always that possibility that you'll fail. Right. But I think what, what's really cool about a franchise is you have this system yeah. that people have duplicated many times over. Right. right. And,
2: and many times you get like the last two years of financial statements. So oh, it yeah, feels get, like that's not that big of a risk. Like <laughs> this is how much they made. last yeah, year. Yeah. You
1: get like franchise disclosure documents. There yeah. are just certain things that by law, franchises have to do to kind of right. remain above the fray. You so, know?
2: when exactly did you take over the Your Pie and Carry?
1: So, we took over the Carry location November 2019. Okay.
2: So, you had a month two two months before COVID-19. So it's like we took over <laughs> the
1: shiny new store and then COVID was like haymaker. It just kind of gave us a gut punch. But you know what? It's, we've what, been rolling with the punches. What was it yeah. like trying
2: to adapt to everything when when COVID hit? I know you guys did curbside quick because we got curbside there a bunch. Yeah
1: absolutely so you know um what's really interesting about that is we just you kind of got to i think be flexible and that's the thing about business right if something happens you have two options you can kind of dwell on it and say oh my goodness like this is the worst thing that's ever happened right? or you can say all right this is the hand i'm dealt what are we going to do so we had curbside up within 24 hours like as soon as the governor said we're closing it was like okay Go, I got some graphic design background. I went and like made a sign real quick. <laughs> I went to local printer and Carrie and was like, hey, I yeah. need this A frame sign done in two hours. I right. <laughs> went on Amazon, got the materials, and it was like next day we're at curbside.
2: Right. You know? <laughs> I want to hear a little bit more from because Josh and I have talked in a couple episodes just about how frustrating. We thought it must be for a restaurant owner when your margins are set in a certain way and then to be allowed to open up in this phase at 50%. Is that where we still are? Yes. 50 yes percent. Still at 50%. And so we just kind of wondered out loud to each other, did the numbers even work at 50% capacity? So it's,
1: it's interesting. What you really have to do is just control what you can control, right? I think when you start, as you said, playing the numbers game and you look at your labor cost and you look at your food cost, some of the Food cost is sort of one of those things that are fixed if you got your operational sort of things in place. Right. Obviously, you can't control when suppliers get low on product and they jack the price up for you. But what we've been able to do. Has that been happening because of COVID? Well, sometimes when, you know, you might get low on mozzarella cheese or your supplier runs out of this. And so the easy thing to do to slow demand is for them to raise prices, right? Just makes sense. Some people are going to say, no, I don't want that now. And so, but what we've managed to do is we've had conversations, meaningful conversations with our landlord. You know, we thankfully haven't had to lay anyone off, but what we have done is we say, look, guys, look, everyone take a little bit less hours and we'll all come out of this hole versus me having to lay someone off, right? And then the, fort- the great thing about our business model is we have a lot of kids who are like carry high school students right. and a lot of
2: students work there
1: absolutely and so you know they're working to buy like the latest ipod like the little right. airpods they're not working <laughs> they're, they're not, not working to, to pay like yeah. rent and car note <laughs> and a mortgage right and so you have a little bit more flexibility with yeah. that right and like, so oh that's, man
2: i won't be able to get the ipad till the next yeah year. <laughs> yeah and so
1: that's really and that's really helped us i believe right. our our team members have been like really open to just kind of being flexible with us and that's allowed us to give people hours when we can yeah, and, you know, so it was one of the managed. first
2: places my wife and I returned to for date night, and we went on what you guys call pint night, which is like pie and then for yeah. the beer and all the beers on tap are three dollars and fourteen cents. Hold up, yeah. hold up, you have
0: beers on tap over there?
1: Yeah, we have all local craft beer, yeah. so what not just beer, all local. We keep it. You they know, they have like takeover nights too, County.
2: Yeah, the they so- used to have like cake takeover nights where like the brewers would come in and and set up and. Pour all their unique stuff. Absolutely, and then there would be somebody there from like Crank Arm or one of the local yeah, places yeah. to to give you samples and talk you through everything. And we're really sense. excited.
0: Anything founded in Athens is going to have a beer angle because it's going to have a culture. You know of course, the good, creature yeah. comforts is sure, there, sure. and um, yeah. you know we've we've
1: really looking forward to getting into that in the in the summertime. We have like our patio set up, yeah. but it's like obviously that's kind of. We had to kind of pivot. It's a little trickier right now, but right. I think
2: last summer, I think I barely missed a Thursday. I would just meet guys over there and just hang out because they got a little bar and it's it's a really nice setup back there. But so my wife and I went to go get pizza on pint night and I we wanted to get some beer because it goes great with pizza. And nobody in the restaurant was old enough to pour and they were looking around for somebody. <laughs> they got somebody out the back and he's like, well, I never poured one before. And I'm like, you, I can believe in you. You can do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a beer with like the biggest head <laughs> <daddy. laughs> Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> One of the other teenagers was like, I just think you got to tilt the glass, man. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. think it's. <laughs> My dad doesn't do it that way.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, there, I believe, there are a lot um, of
2: students over
0: there.
1: I believe we ran into uh, that once or twice. We kind of, when we first took over, hired quite a few new staff members as, you know, to bump up payroll and you kind of, you know, and to get sort of our staff where we felt comfortable with it to have the flexibility and scheduling. And so, yeah, we ran into that. And it was that we were at this stage where. All of our kids are like a month away from eighteen, or two months <laughs> from eighteen, and so now we have like twelve people who can pour like yeah. in summertime. But now we can't. Now we don't have a full restaurant to serve beer. So right, is that's
0: just business for how me. How are the
2: bars getting like? How are the bars that are supposed to be closed that they if they serve food they're okay, right? Like
0: bars are such. A, I don't know. I hear they're a tricky topic in the intimacy area for proximity.
2: Right. Yeah, I would imagine. like yeah,
0: I don't,
1: and I—I I mean, I can't speak to that. Obviously, with our, we're just socially distancing all of our tables, right. and you know, as long as we, with you know, maintain those guidelines, we've been fine for the handful of people who want to pull, you know, who want a red oak or who, right. You know, you so have red oak. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I love
2: red oak. They have, so fresh. Uh, I always get, or usually get, the hell yes, ma'am. Yeah. That's that, really oh, that's yeah. The,
1: that's yeah. probably like. I would say that's probably one of our best ones is the Hell Yes Man Raleigh Brewing. Shout out to them. They, I mean, everyone loves that. It's just oh, yeah. kind of, I think, a local favorite. And then we do we do really well with a really great IPA that we have. If you're an IPA person from Bombshell, called mm. Head Over Hops, people mm. love that one a lot. Also, writing that down. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they, have so, they have Full Steam on there every once yeah. in a while, too. We this, have a
1: really good sour from them right now. Oh, all, do you? I all, love uh, sours. All uh, local North Carolina berries, they kind of did like a small brew, so it was just a limited batch, yeah. and we were able to snack a little bit of that.
2: I so. had, for the first time, I had Full Steam's coffee is for closers at uh, Your Pie. They had it on for a small amount of time, and I can't find that joker anywhere now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I feel that Full Steam kind of does these small brews, micro-batches, and once they're gone, they're gone. I think that kind of keeps a novelty, yeah, it, you know,
2: but also a bummer if you liked it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because I go to Harris Teeter and I see all of their beers, but coffee for closers is not there. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I think they're just not brewing it anymore. So if you're listening, please bring that back. So, what made you get interested in franchise? What was going on in your life? What motivated you?
1: So it's interesting. I've always known at some point I would have my own business from as long as I can remember. I always knew that I wanted to be my own boss and, you know, as you guys can identify with, control your own destiny, so to speak, right? And as we were saying, franchise is just a way to sort of offset some of that risk. You know, it's a way to just have a support system. You have smart people who help you in the site selection process, which Mm -hmm. we know location is extremely important. You have people to help you look at the unit financials. And, And so I honestly, I first heard about podcasting there's a guy named Junior Bridgman, and I don't know if you ever heard of him, but starring
0: he, Junior Bridgman, <laughs> yeah, he's but, got a great name though. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, but so he's a he's a former NBA player who never made any more than maybe like three hundred thousand dollars in his NBA career in a single season, but he's I don't know if he still is, but he was Wendy's single largest franchise owner, African American man. And so, what was really impressive to me about it is that he started his first Wendy's franchise, I think, on the tail end of his playing career, and he's like Wendy's largest franchiser. He maybe owns over a hundred chili's restaurants. The guy's just amazing, and he has like a net worth of over six hundred million dollars wow. and it's like I discovered him when I was in my mid to early twenties, and I was like, man, like this is a very practical way to sort of." build generational wealth, run a business and kind of use it to really just do the thing you you want to do in the world like help the community and this just kind of gives you a platform to do that, right? Yeah. And so That's
0: yeah. inspiring. You're such an inspiring guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I
1: appreciate it. But yeah, so I mean that was kind of the catalyst for me, you know, and I just sort of tried different concepts. I've researched more than I can probably name. And for a number of reasons, they didn't work out. Maybe they didn't have the territory I wanted, or maybe it's just once I started digging into the financials, I wasn't quite overwhelmed there. And then your pie just was that combination of, I thought it was a really great concept that I hadn't personally seen many places. And it was the right mix of, oh, I actually have some place where I can grow over time with the brand, you know?
2: I've I've heard from... Just various sources that owning a restaurant is a lot of hours. Have you seen that to be the case? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> just lasts. <laughs. laughs> yeah, I mean, especially
1: <laughs> during this COVID crisis, and even before, just because I really wanted to get things operationally efficient, you know i'm I' have six, seven days a week easily. You know, I mean, so I, I had one customer came in. They were like, this is a really cool concept. I'm thinking about doing this in retirement. I was like, well, you probably don't want to run a restaurant in retirement because you're going to be working harder for this than you probably do now. Yeah. You know, it's just a it's just a grind. But I remember
2: you know, like in high school working fast food, for example, like I worked at Taco Bell, one of the hardest jobs. Like, as far as like the amount of time and one of the least paid, like <laughs> you don't get a lot of money, but there was like no time. That's where you learn the principles of like, You got time to lean, you got time to clean and all those things. And it's, there's no breaks in it and it's constant paying attention. And I think a lot of people think that that type of work is not hard work, but in my experience, it was one of the tougher jobs that, that I had.
1: You know, what's really interesting about the, well, anything in life, but yeah, it's what we do at Your Pie is amazingly simple, right? Like you've right. been there often. You come in, you, you pick your dough, you pick your toppings. We put it in the oven for six or seven minutes and you mm-hmm. have this great pizza. Not complex. But – what I think people underestimate just how hard it is to be consistent at anything. I don't care if it's a workout program or I don't care if it's you play sports. Like right. if you look at someone like a LeBron James or a Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, who over the course of a 20 year career averaged 28 or 29 points. You know the amount of work that has to go into that to be mm-hmm. able to, for 20 years, average 28, 30 points? Right. <laughs> like you have to have an almost, maniacal work ethic and Mm. i think consistency is so hard to achieve because it that means it takes an immense amount of sacrifice and you have to be able to repeat the same thing over and over and if you're not disciplined yeah like you said it can be it's tough you know
2: yeah because every customer (laughs) expects the best pizza Right. And if you might, if you have one bad pizza out of 40, one person's experience is like, well, I'm not going back. That's a lot of risk. Like you have to be very consistent.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, and I tell my, my team that all the time, you know, we don't, I don't expect you guys to be perfect. I just expect you guys to try hard. And when you, we do make a mistake, we own it and we make it right. That's all you can ask of anyone in any situation is yeah. to. Just make it right. Make the customer happy. We want them to leave a little bit happier than when they came in. I think that's, that's our a,
2: goal. <laughs> I remember hearing or um, reading in a book from Dan Cathy, who owns Chick fil A. Yes, yeah. the The honor that he feels on getting to train like young people on mm-hmm. how to be good humans. Like it's not just like how to be good Chick fil A people, yeah. but how to have manners, how to treat people well. And those lessons that all of us that had jobs when we were teenagers and learned those lessons kind of carry with your whole life. Is that pretty cool to be involved in that process with some high school kids?
1: That's honestly, that is probably my most rewarding and frustrating part of my job, (laughs) but I love it in the best of ways. It's like, it gives me so much purpose. Like even in the job description, I say that my job is to teach you guys principles of how, like what creates results in a small business environment and ultimately give you skills that will translate on your next job right. and when you're in your career. And my team will tell you just because you're 15 or 16, you may be young, but I don't treat you like a kid. I hold you accountable. I expect you to show up on work on time. And if you're mm-hmm. scheduled at five, that doesn't mean you get there at five. That means you're there at 450 and you're ready to work at five. Like, because I believe that. If you can help shape people to your point that early, who knows like what you're setting them up for when they get into their career or maybe they'll start a business. And so I take it really seriously. Like I'm serious about creating a great experience for our customer and we have fun and we laugh, but ultimately this isn't social hour. Like we're all here because we have a job to do and we have customers like yourself who are regulars to, we want you guys to keep coming back and love eating at your pie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What kind of jobs did you work as a teenager?
1: You know what? My very first job was at a grocery store. Yeah. And that was pretty tough work too. You know what I mean? Like when you got between like loading, unloading produce or working the cash register, it's still very service oriented, you know? Right.
2: Yeah. I read a report and I think I mentioned it before on the podcast, but the average American worker that is salaried works three hours and 29 minutes a day. And so I think for a lot of people that have been settled into an office job for a long time, they have an expectation of output that you would be fired within a week if you worked at a grocery store or a fast food place, if you worked three out of the eight hours that you were there.
1: You can't, you know, and I, and I think one thing I always tell my team and I sometimes feel like a broken record, but I say that nice is free. Like nice is, we can give, nice is probably the only thing in our business that we have unlimited supply of it doesn't take away from my bottom line right. it doesn't erode margins right. and we can give it in abundance and so I always tell my team but well, find a way to just make someone happy like pay attention to people body language and that's one of the things I'm most proud of is customers will say in their reviews man that team was just so nice like the pizza was good but you guys are just really genuinely friendly and that's And it's just so simple. Right. Like if someone even if it's a seven ninety nine pizza, people worked hard for that money that they had to spend with you, that 30 or 40 dollar ticket to take their family and eat at your pie. And I take that I take that as a badge of honor that if you're going to spend 40 bucks with us even if it's just pizza, we're gonna make you feel good and we're gonna be nice to you and we're gonna care that you love the experience that you had when you ate with us, right? And I think that's just so germane to running a good business. It doesn't matter if you're selling pizza or you're doing a podcast, or you're an auto mechanic. Be nice to people. Be human. Be compassionate, right?
2: Yeah. So you mentioned earlier this junior Bridgman. Yeah. Other than him, did you have any kind of mentors or anybody along the way kind of showing you the ropes of franchise ownership, or was it just a lot of research?
1: So I wouldn't say specifically franchise ownership, but I've had a number of just mentors in, you know, my life. And I think Some of my mentors came from history, right? So just a little bit about my background. I grew up in an extremely kind of disadvantaged upbringing, a single parent home. I'm a first generation college graduate. And so obviously when you come from an environment such as that, you don't always have the most role models. And so what you almost almost always have to do is kind of look outside your immediate sort of circle of influence. And so like, I became a very avid reader, I mean, I'm always listening to audiobooks. I'm always reading something for inspiration. I have accounts I follow on Instagram just for daily memes to give me that extra jolt of energy in the morning. So, mentors, Reginald Lewis, who I don't know if you know about him, but he's the first black guy, I believe, to become one of the first billionaires. African-American billionaires and he was you know worked on Wall Street in the 80s and he just was an amazing dude the only guy on record I believe to get accepted into Harvard Law School without applying Mm. like just an amazing guy like I believe they invited him or something so yeah so those kind of stories when you're in that environment it lets you see the world differently and like helps you become a dreamer and want to do things like run your own business and help the community and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Where'd you go to college? I'm a UNC graduate, go UNC? Hills. Yeah, yeah. man.
2: <laughs> so you've been local the whole time? Yeah, the whole so life?
1: yeah, absolutely no, so I moved to the area from eastern North Carolina, a small town named Kinston, if you're not familiar oh, yeah, with Kenston. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's home for me. My mom still lives there. Moved here to go to college at UNC. After graduation, moved to Texas for a while, worked for some companies, and ultimately kind of made my way back to North Carolina area.
2: This show is produced at Podcast Carry, a professional studio making podcasting simple and fun. Located in Vibe Coworking in Cary, North Carolina. Want to start a podcast to create great content for your business and establish yourself as a thought leader in your city? Go to podcastcarry.com. Connect with your audience. Grow your brand. How did you go from interested into owning your own business to now I'm the business owner? Now I have my own Europe
1: Wow. So I think I got to a point where I was really fortunate to work for some great companies. So I don't have an MBA, right? I didn't go to some prestigious business school, but just whether you believe in chance or fate, every company I've ever worked for, there was always someone there who just saw my fire and my energy took a liking to me and just, I had mentors who would just go out to lunch with me on a monthly basis. I was able to be a part of some really amazing businesses and I sort of got my business education through experience. Right. And right. so I work for companies. Where Which I'm, most people prefer yeah, the, absolutely.
2: to college education, yeah. like people who have done stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, to, and that's how I learn. I'm just a a doer right like if I can do something it sticks with me right and that's how I and that's sort of how I came to the point and I just reached the point in my life where I had all of these amazing experiences and I just had that burning inside like, okay, I know I can do more. I don't want to get so comfortable with the cushy salary and I'm able to take care of my family in the way that I want. And that's a really hard thing to walk away from when, you know, you have a kid and you have a wife. And, of course, we all want to be able to give our family the things. But it's just like I was feeling like I was starting to betray myself. Like, no, right. this is not what you're here for.
2: How'd you, you know? get over that big? Cause that's a big risk from going to, I have a job that they're going to pay me for next week if I keep doing it, or I can step out on my own and I can try this thing.
1: You know, shout out to my wife, because when I really got to that point where I knew it was time for me to sort of listen to that drumbeat, right. Mm-hmm. I just had a conversation with my wife and I said, you know what, like, I, I really think it's time for me to take this leap. I, I know I can do it. I'm afraid to do it, but I believe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. She was like, okay, my wife being the practical person that she is, like, all right, what's the plan? So, you know, we I built up about a year's worth of savings. I did some side hustles and other things to just make extra money where I could. Obviously I had investments in K and IRAs and that sort it was of thing. It's a pretty big
2: investment to get in a franchise yeah. as well, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely <laughs> absolutely. I mean Do depending. they ask you
2: for the money or do because the way I've looked at them, there's usually like, here's the buy-in, and then you have to prove that you have this much liquid assets. Is your pie like that too?
1: Yeah. So there's a little bit, every franchise probably has their own set of, I guess, financial guidelines they may want you, but yeah, of course there's franchise fees, there's, you know, liquid asset requirements, there's probably net worth requirements, depending on the you know, franchise. And you right. kind of have to go through that part and do your due diligence. But yeah, that's sort of, so we obviously went through all of those steps and we did the leg work. And like I said, I had my savings and then it was time to say, okay, like your pies, it, we're going to do it. And we, you know, we pulled the trigger and we took that, that jump. And so far, knock on wood, mm-hmm. we're starting to get some traction. And I feel very, I'm very, very happy to be able to bring more of them to the triangle. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, so you've had the carry location for eight months, and you're working on your second location?
1: Yes, sir. So we have a Triangle Town. We're well, actually on Capitol Boulevard and uh, Plantation Square. We're about three or four weeks out, knock on wood. COVID has kind of delayed construction, as you can imagine. Yeah. But we're getting really, really close on that space. It's going to be awesome. And so I'm hoping within the first couple weeks of July, we're serving your pie in another part of the Triangle.
0: It's going it. to be fun. Love yeah. it. Let me know when that is, and we'll make some pictures for you. Oh, for yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll, I'll,
1: I'll yeah. let everyone know. Let I'll let <laughs> everyone know that I can know. We want to be Do part it. of that success. So. Absolutely. Whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Yeah, what
2: has you, what has you excited about going downtown?
1: Well, so we're probably, we're not quite downtown. We're more on the Wake Forest side of oh, Capitol. Okay. So we catch right off of that 540 traffic, right sort of, I believe it's US 1, that sort of Intersection between Capitol Boulevard Triangle Town Center, but it's extremely busy intersection. I mean, it's yeah. I, the the traffic is really good there. I'm I'm encouraged by what I've been able to see. Just talking to some of the other business owners in the retail space that yeah, I'm the traffic's enjoying. always busy over there. Yeah, so I, I I think we'll be really good, and I'm looking forward to pulling some of that residential traffic, which right. you know that. That's good for your dinner traffic. Your pie
2: and carries in a good location, but it's not off the main strip. Every time I, I feel a little like, oh man, I wish more people would drive by it. And the the house or the the place that they're in is like in the in the front of a parking lot. And um, I'm curious, did, what do you know what it used to be? Because it looks like it used to be a Pizza Hut.
1: I don't <laughs> know. So what I know just from the people who kind of born, raised, in carry it is that building or our building has had quite a few different iterations. Yeah. I don't know what it was way back when, but I feel like the East carry is almost probably more like historic carry. And mm-hmm. then you sort of have like Carrie Morrisville, this sort of new carry. And so I- I think at one place it may have been a Thai restaurant, and then I think before then it was maybe something else. I think it's almost always been a restaurant space, but I don't know the full kind yeah. of history. You gotta story. be excited
2: about Fenton going in and all that new traffic that's gonna yes. be coming in. And
1: I and I hear they're maybe doing some things with you know Cary Town Center. That's yeah, on here's the what we know right now
2: that the the city bought the block where the gas station is and basically that chunk of the mall and they're going to put... Have you heard about this? Yeah, the that sport, is sports it the sport? complex. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: I, so that's kind of the awesome thing about it. I think we're in a... To your point, we're in a really high visibility area. Like yeah. if you do come this way, it's really hard to miss us. Right. So as you said, as Fenton and some of those things go up.
2: If it, the sports complex takes take root then it's going to be the kind of thing where they have thousands of people there and yeah. you guys are totally walking distance absolutely so that's totally what
0: people crave after a good long workout which is pizza <laughs> and beer right and yeah I, I
2: think it's mainly like volleyball yeah and like
1: the, hosting the, tournaments and that sort of and thing. e-sports yeah so you get like all of these families so yeah if we you know our goal now is mm-hmm. kind of Let's get through COVID. Let's you know just manage and control what we can control. But if we can come out on the other side of this thing, like you said, there's some silver linings and I think some real opportunities for us. You yeah, know? which is always great to see development. You know, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's exciting stuff. The are you a little nervous downtown? Are the protests still going on? Is that a-
1: I haven't seen I haven't seen much. Obviously, there've we've seen some businesses get vandalized. And someone asked me that question recently in an interview. And as just a business owner, being kind of that fraternity and such a small, closely knit community, anytime you see someone's business sort of affected in a harmful way, your heart kind of hurts for them. Cause you're like, man, that could have just as easily been my store. And right. you understand that now there's insurance claims, there's loss of revenue because maybe you had to close the business. And for a restaurant, like you said, when you, You mentioned earlier in our conversation, when you're operating on, you know, your margins, anything that comes against that, it sucks. And you, so I I really feel for those people. And it's just been, but I think as it's just a human condition, I think people just are hurting and maybe they didn't feel any other way to be heard. And so that's sometimes what people do when they feel desperate and they feel not listened to. They feel that they have to speak a little bit louder and they maybe have to do things they wouldn't do under normal circumstances what would
0: you say to someone that was maybe they had maybe you had a almost like a scene in a movie where you're in the you're in your your business and and you're you're confronted with someone with a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and they're in that business they've just broken the window and come in and you're with them in a scene what would be sort of your approach to love on that person well the first thing I would just say is
1: that I I hear you because what I've the approach I've taken throughout all of this, from COVID to the recent protest, is that one thing as that almost, I would say, 100% of humans can identify with, we all can identify with the feeling of being hurt of being sad, of feeling broken. We all know what that feels like on some level, whether it was the loss of a family member or a grandparent or a parent, or we've all experienced hurt, right? So if we can tap into that emotion and say that these protesters just feel broken, they feel hurt. they just, they're sad. That's what this is coming from. And so for me, it's really easy to go and tap into that emotion of how I feel when I'm hurt and when I'm broken. And because of that, I think I'm able to have a far more human and compassionate response because it's just like, what, are you hurt? Yes. Do I know what it feels like to be hurt? Yes. And because of that, you know what, I may can't fix the situation, but I'm really sorry that you're feeling this way because that's just – I know that feeling of despair and loss and grief. And for that, I empathize with you. And sometimes that's all it takes. People just want to be heard. They yeah. want to be felt.
2: As a black man and a business owner, what do you think justice looks like in this situation?
1: That's a, that's a very tough question in terms of what justice looks like. But I think what I've committed to doing Is Number one, I've committed to not speaking ill of the protesters because I think that everyone sort of fights in their own way. But for me, how I've sort of chosen to be supportive is I have a business where my employees have a safe space. Like, it's okay to come to work and say, I'm grieving the loss of life. You don't have to come to work and put the mask on. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay to say, you know what, today I'm here, but I'm just really in a difficult headspace. And, and so for me, I feel like one of the ways I protest or the, one of the ways I rebel against injustice is to really fight really hard to, during this time, create a space where that's okay. And it's not just when it's the loss of life. It's anytime any act is done against a human that is wrong. Right. Because if I can create that space, anybody who works for me knows that I don't have to pretend it's okay to be sad. And if I give you that space, you can still take care of our customers, too. And you can be human. We're not robots. Nobody's punching a code into us and making us do anything. We feel everything. And so you just got to be. Just got to be compassionate, and the world needs compassionate leaders. That's just the bottom line.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a challenging situation, but it's great for your employees and for people that have a boss like you that are creating that environment. Because I think that's so important. Like you said, just want to be heard, want yeah. to be understood, want to be seen, want to not get penalized for feeling their feelings.
1: Because does any do truthfully? Do any of us have the answers? Does any are any of us perfect? Uh. Right, <laughs> and so I think it's unfair. To say to leaders like you should know what to do. At some point, we're all kind of winging this. We're pulling from past experiences and trying to make the best right. decision we can with the information we have. And as a leader, unfortunately, that burden rests upon us. And so that that's my mindset is like I don't have all the answers, but I know what I can control. I can control that my people feel safe. They feel cared about. They feel listened to while they're in this space I've created for them. And long as I do that, we'll just let the, we'll let the chips fall where they fall. And I, you know, I can't control, I'm not the, I'm not the president. I'm not the governor. I'm not a Senator. I'm not any of that. So, you know,
2: But I think, I know for me, I have this sense of like hope that, like really rooting for the positive change and the the intent behind the protests and the standing up to the injustice that's been systemic and long-going for I mean 400 years basically and you can't help but feel hopeful that this time will make some actual traction and in that sense rooting for the protesters i think it's also most people recognize that there's a difference between the the protesters and the people that might just be opportunistically looking to like rob someplace. I mean, 99% of the protests are peaceful protests where people are trying to be heard, trying to be seen, trying to do the right thing. And, but the news and some people like to just focus on the very small percentage of, you know, broken windows and, and such. But, but I totally agree. Hurt people hurt people and we're not perfect. And if you're, in a situation and man, you watch some of the news stories, it's frightening, it's a little maddening, and it's like, ugh, why can't, why can't there be a little bit more compassion? Why can't there be a little bit more empathy and And, understanding?
1: And that's been my, that's just been my buzzword and it's just gotten me through this so much. It's just like sometimes the litmus (laughs) test for me is, is this the compassionate thing to do in this situation? And if the answer is yes, then it's the right thing to do, right? And it's not about timing. It's not about – there are times as a company, as a brand, when you need to have a perfectly executed PR scheme and Mm -hmm. you need to – there are times to be perfect, but in times like this, perfection takes a back seat and you have to be human. Sometimes that's the only litmus test is, is this the human thing to do? Right. And if that answer is yes to that, you do it because it's always – there's never a wrong time to do the right thing.
2: And when right. you treat people like that, you treat people correctly as humans with empathy and compassion, you build a sense of community in your among your staff. You have a tribe and they get stronger together. And I know it must be a challenging time to be a business owner because of the additional flexibility forced upon you by COVID and regulations, but I have to imagine that your team is doing pretty well. And
1: it's really it's been the most trying, rewarding emotional roller coaster of a of a time but I think the people who are looking for the opportunities to be human and compassionate will find that they're available in abundance like if you look since covid we've it's almost created opportunity for us to be more of who we are right like we've been able to Donate food to Wake Med Carry. We've been able to give pizzas to families facing food insecurity. We've been able to donate pizzas to fire departments in Durham and Raleigh. It's almost that like this opportunity, ha- COVID has been an opportunity for us. And I don't think it's by accident that almost us doing all of this just a week ago, a member of the community who we've been supporting made a tweet about us and it went viral like last week. I mean, we had this tweet that had like thousands and thousands of reshares. And last week we had more business than we can handle so much so that I had to order a special truck from my supplier just to keep up with the demand. So is it I don't think that's coincidental, right? That when you pour out, the universe just has a way of pouring back into you. Right? So, so it's <laughs> to
0: say your pie has a generosity factor in somewhere in the DNA. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, we we're always going to be givers. And I think, you know,
1: as we have a bigger platform and as we have more stores and we have more outlets
0: to do that, uh, you'll just see more of that. I <laughs> love hearing those stories where <laughs> a company has that generosity factor that I just coined that by the way. So (laughs) trademark, but but it's something we can all agree to. That's the definition of it, but it's, it's, it must be so fulfilling to be where you are right now in life at this place, to be able to bring your passions for that and to be generous. Yeah.
1: I, I, one of my friends asked me, if you don't mind me sharing, she said, how did you get to a place where you were doing the thing you want to do? And I said, well, and I had to be honest. I said, it's not like I dreamed of being a pizza restaurant owner. I said, but what your pie allows me to do is your pie has provided an opportunity for me to live my purpose and do the thing I feel I was designed to do. So although we sell great pizza, it's really just giving me a platform to amplify the fact that I want to help as many people as possible. Right. And so now I actually have a restaurant that generates revenue and I have a restaurant that's plugged into a community. And so now that I have that, I just have more resources at my disposal to do the amazing things I've always wanted to do. Right. and So now, like talking to you guys, I'm able in helping people, I'm just able to do that more.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) So
0: inspiring, man. So it's like,
1: you don't chase a thing. There's not a carrot. There's not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that you are chasing. You're chasing a feeling. You're chasing the thing that sets your heart on fire. And when you chase that feeling, like, your pie gives me that feeling. It helps me
0: beat my alarm clock every morning. Yeah, because, that's the great thing yeah. about America. You can do that, you know, in, yeah. like, unlike many places, you know. Yeah. So we're, that's so good. Yeah, absolutely. You have something
1: to wake up. You look forward to waking yeah, up. Yeah, like, I wake yeah. up with focus and intention, not so much because I get to make hundreds of pizzas every day, but I know that by making hundreds of pizzas every day, I get to do the thing I really want to do, which is, like, make people happy and make people's lives better.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> after all that, I really have to ask the most serious question, which is, are you any good at throwing the pizza dough in the air and spinning? Oh, man, it? I got skills. Next are you time, serious? Next time you come in, I'm not like world-class YouTube,
1: but I can sure. toss a pretty good I pizza I am coming
2: dough. in, brother. If you when come
1: you? in, I will give you a special <laughs> dough. And <laughs> oh, yeah, the dough
2: gosh. does start in a ball. Yeah, a yeah, we, of, yeah. So
1: we hand toss all of our dough, like right out for you. We don't, you know, we don't. Use a machine. We make it all by hand, so you you'll get a treat. Just just say when, man. <laughs> I, I might shoot that
0: in super slow mo, so you can create your own meme to hey, contribute to the world. It. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Have you memeing, brother? I'm with it. <laughs> awesome.
2: <laughs> Reminds me of that. One of my favorite scenes from The Office is when Michael Scott was flipping pizza dough and I got caught on the ceiling fan. He was like trying to show off. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <really> <laughs> that show <laughs> has so many
1: just
0: good moments, man. Oh, gosh. yeah. Man. So uh,
2: I love what you were saying and the idea of you're not chasing like a moment. You're not chasing a pot of gold at the end of the – and we've talked about it on the show before. Like if you really want to be content and you want to be happy, you should consider your life as a series of commas and not periods. Mm-hmm. Like – like you said, I made 100 pizzas a hundred pizzas day, comma, so that, as yeah. opposed to I made a hundred pizzas a day, period, right? Because mm. you're you're robbing yourself of the the understanding of the bigger picture of mm. what's going on. So you're missing the comma, so that I can. Or, and it's all is, about
1: your why, right? right? And that's what I think it what you're getting at is just what is the purpose behind what you're doing? Are you just going through the motions? Are you just chasing a dollar? Are you just looking at? the financial outcomes, or is there something more than that that's motivating you? Because if it's just money, you're going to fizzle out. You're going to burn out. Like, you're going to be like a star that just fades out. You can't, it's not sustainable. Money doesn't bring happiness in and of itself, Mm -hmm. but like being other centered, having something to wake up for that gives you meaning and like sets your heart on fire and allows you to feel that drum beat. That'll get you up every morning. (laughs) You don't need coffee. (laughs) Or at least I don't. I love that.
2: Others centered. And I think, too, we mentioned this on the show before, but if you listen to this and you're in Cary or your hometown, wherever you are, instead of thinking about like just what you want for dinner tonight, think about who you want to support. Instead of thinking like, oh, what am I going to eat for dinner? Think about your local business owners Mm -hmm. and what they're doing for your community and patronize. Patronize. Is that the right word? Patronize? Yes, it is the right word. Yeah. It just sounded bad, like patronize. I hey, don't like, patronize me. You <laughs> actually <laughs> patronize <laughs> me, Right. I,
1: it, there's a little bit of double entendre. Yeah, sure.
0: on how you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Give your money to business <Okay>. owners yeah. <laughs> instead of patronize. Good catch. <laughs> Talk down to. No, don't do that. But I love that thinking. And I didn't start to think like that until recently. I don't know if it's an age thing or or whatever. But you tend to think of a franchise as like a global corporation, and they're not that. No. They're franchise owners that are men and women who are hardworking with families that love their community. And it's easy to think of like the corporate entity as the bad guy because you hear a lot about shop local, but franchises are local. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people lump them into a different category. Yeah, good
1: point. Good point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's even with like our Instagram page. I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, why don't you just flood your Instagram page with more people? Uh, pictures of pizza and things like that. I was like, no, you're missing it. Like, if you think I'm just going to fill my page with pieces of pictures of pizza, you've missed it. The whole point is I'm showing the fingerprint we're leaving on the community. Like, I want to show things like when Lowe's Home Improvement brings masks and donates it to my store just because we're a small business and they're a larger corporation and they want to help. I want to show that we gave pizzas to Wake Med, Carey because like, that's the fingerprint I want to leave on this community. Right. It's like people know we serve pizza. Our pizza's in our name. We don't have that, right. right? Like what, but like you said, it's what's behind that. We're more than that.
2: Yeah. Well, I love eating at your place. So your pie over here in Cary, it's over by the high school. What's the name of that road that it's on? Is that uh, So
1: we're right on the corner of Carytown Boulevard. So Careytown. we're located 685 Carytown Boulevard bet- on the corner of Cary and Walnut Street, Stone's Throw from cary high school and in the ollie shopping center
2: right
0: love it what did you do, ride a vespa over here it's like right <laughs> nearby the studio did you walk here or because you're uh, so close no, I,
1: I i unfortunately i drove today well, drove? it's too hot man you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you
0: know it's summertime in the south man we're not walking you're anywhere. not walking right <laughs> i'm now. just saying so close to the <laughs> yeah, yeah to Carry town center right? yeah okay really close so All
2: um right. where can people find you let's what's your social media handles
1: so you can follow us at your pie nc all one word. Your pie and C definitely follow us. See what we got going on. We're always we're doing giveaways and things like that. And my personal, yeah, how do you
2: join the email list? Because I have gotten deals off of that a bunch of times.
1: So you download our Your Pie Rewards app. If you go on our Instagram page, you'll find Your Pie Rewards, and we actually have a really cool promotion going right now for any first-time app user. If you download the app after your first purchase, you get a free cheese pizza. So that's pretty hard. I mean, you get great pizza, and then you get a free one after it. That's a yeah, pretty hard pizza.
2: deal to be, yeah, right? Have a pizza and then have a dessert. Yeah, pizza. have a <laughs> bonus pizza. <laughs> oh, here it is. First thing at the top of the app store yeah, on the iPhone. I
0: put in your pie, and there it is. Your pie rewards. Look yes. at all those. Look at all those raving five star reviews, man.
2: They also have every day. There's a special. So I know pint night is Thursday. Tuesday, something good. We go in Tuesday every once in a while. We,
0: right
1: now, we do kids night on every Monday. So we do kids eat for 99 cent when their parents purchase an entree and we have yeah thursday night pint night which has kind of been a little bit different now but yeah we're looking forward to sort of building that back up
0: are you so. open on sunday
1: yes absolutely yeah we
0: ought to tie this in with that motorcycle club we just joined joe and start yeah, let's go over there going by there you know yeah like bringing bikes over and hang out pizza anytime yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right just find an excuse to eat pizza right that's easy well community you got yeah, going was, on there and yeah. heart, and heart
1: yeah we I appreciate you guys for having me. this was great. I love doing stuff like this. you know, yeah. as you can see, I could talk about this stuff all the time. It's yeah. just overflowing.
0: You're, well, so, I, you're I, so damn passionate and good-looking. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good face for radio, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that. That's not sarcastic. Come on now. <laughs> no, uh, no, I appreciate
2: kidding. it. And I've, I've loved your pie for a long time and, and been wanting to get you on the show. But, so much. you know, with COVID and everything, everything got a little topsy-turvy for everybody. But certainly, if you guys – obviously, he's not a sponsor or anything, so I'm just telling you because I legitimately like your pie. Like, if you're thinking – want to get some lunch want to get some dinner you should go check this place out it's really good and you get to make your own choose your own toppings i asked somebody about the peach thing because i thought that sounded weird jenny she shares the office over here she's the co-host of girls who do stuff which is like the sister show of this and I, I was kind of joking about it, like, pizza's on pizza. And she's like, I had it. It was awesome. You don't know what you're talking <laughs> <Right>. about. <laughs>
1: that's <right>. that's, that's <laughs> the, almost the consensus. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so that's good stuff. Man. Go check
2: that out. All right, man. Well, thank you so much, Ephraim, for coming on again. And everybody have a great day.
1: Yeah, awesome. Thank you. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today?